I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. the inspired evolution and it is such a treat to have you here today daniel daniel how are you i'm doing awesome thank you very much for inviting me <laughs> really good to have you here for those tuning in to daniel marcos for the first time daniel is the co-founder and the ceo of growth institute the leading online executive education company for c-level execs um, that are looking to basically be growing faster um, within their firms he also co-founded inflection which is a management coaching company that helps business executives entrepreneurs grow their companies faster with less drama can't wait to talk about drama i think that's a really cool word and why that's in there Um, he's an international speaker he's here at mind valley he's delivering some amazing talks and he shared the stage with thought leaders like peter diamandis guy uh, guy kawasaki and jack canfield just to name a few and he's passionate about um yeah like Singularity University. So there's some really awesome pockets of conversation we could be having here. So an absolute treat to have you here today, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, tell me, uh, business and drama. Let's start there. <laughs> so I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. Yeah. And man, would you create a lot of drama yeah. in the operation and in your life. Mm. Every time your business gets into trouble, but it's very often whenever yeah. you're scaling, mm. Your family life gets into trouble a lot. Yeah. Uh, cash flow, you're tired, you're overworked, mm. and all of that, you bring that drama to your family. Yeah. So, so I've been having discussions with my wife and, and my kids, and, and it's very, very cool being an entrepreneur, and they, they admire and respect everything that I'm doing, and they see the growth and the videos in YouTube and all that, and that's mm. very exciting. But then the time away, mm. it's hot. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. 2013 yeah. was my last year that I was a full-time coach. I was just coaching companies. Yeah. Pretty successful year. Financially, it was a great year. But I lived, sorry, I slept away from home 250 nights wow. that, that year. Today, I'm probably still doing 100, 120 nights away. Mm. That's a lot. For it a is a lot. That's yeah. a lot for a family. 
I miss some birthdays. Now I don't miss any birthday, but I used to mm. um, when I did have much option uh, and other things. And that creates a lot of drama. That that mm. creates a lot of stress yeah. in your relationships, in in your family, um, uh, cash flow and stuff. Mm. So we believe there's two ways of scaling a company. Yeah, there's a way of scaling a company that you really enjoy the ride uh-huh. and you enjoy being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and the other one is that you scale or you struggle to scale. And then you struggle in your life. Right. Let me give a, a here a perspective. Um, before we get into how and all the what, mm. um, usually when you ask any entrepreneur why are they doing a company, yeah, their first question is, "I want to have more money. I want to be able to work wherever I want in the world. Mm. I want to whatever." Thank yeah. you. And then if you ask the question why five times, why, 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 you get deeper. You get deeper. You always come to one word. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> freedom, financial freedom, yeah. uh, decision freedom, freedom time freedom, location freedom, freedom, whatever they want, yeah. but it's freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, when you build a company, the one thing that you lose the most is freedom. <laughs> you don't have to say that out loud. <laughs> so, so you can just sell the dream. <laughs> we were talking about this before I came. Uh, yesterday, um, I work here in Mind Valley uh, in Pula. I teach all day, we had dinner and everything. Yeah. And at 10 p.m., we're in, in Europe. At 10 p.m., my office was starting in Mexico. Yeah. And I went back to my apartment and one call, another call, and a client. And, a, yeah. and when I looked, it was 3 a.m. Yeah. That's a lot. That's, that. Then wake up and have the same mm. routine day here in, uh, in Pula. Yeah. So those are the kind of stress that really add a lot to yeah. the business. So that's one. And then the other one I want to talk about is... No one really prepares you to be a CEO. Mm. Um, and I've had this discussion many times. People are, whenever you start a business or you think, think about starting a business, you never think, I am going to be a CEO. Mm. 1% of the people think that. The mm. others are, what product am I going to sell and how much money I'm going to make and where they're going to finance it. And, and you're worried about the business. Mm. And then one day you realize and like, wow, I am a CEO. I have employees. I'm responsible to pay their payroll for that payroll to pay their kids' school. Mm. And then the stress begins coming up. And you're like, what are are you doing? Let me tell you two stories of that. So when I did my first company, um, I was living in Hong Kong after college for two years. Mm. And I came back to Mexico because I wanted to do an internet company. That was 1998, uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And um, I begin talking about my idea with a lot of friends. And there was three friends that it kind of stick. Mm. So at the end, I said, hey, whoever wants to do this company with me, let's meet at a coffee. It was not Starbucks. There was no Starbucks then. We met at a coffee in Mexico City. And there was three of them and myself. And we got in and we begin talking of what are we going to do and how we're going to raise money and what product and how we're going to start and kind of really understanding how we're going to do business. Sure. And at the end, one of my friends says, okay, great. Now that we agree on the business, mm-hmm. let's define who's going to do what. Yeah. And we said, okay. So the guy in my left, <laughs> I worked in Merrill Lynch the last two years, and um, I know some about finance, so I'll be the CFO of the company, but also be in charge of the product. We did a financial product for Latin America. Okay. So we built like E-Trade for Latin America. Yeah. We end up building three banks and six brokerage houses in nine countries. Um uh, we had 1,200 employees, like a really big operation, raised money and everything. Right. Um, 
So back in the internet time, he was probably the second or third biggest internet company in Latin America. You were. And um, when we started that way in Mexico, um, so the guy said, I know finance, I'll be in charge of finance and the problem. Perfect. And the guy in front of me said, I studied electrical engineering in college, I'll be the CTO. Perfect. And the guy to my right said, hey, my father has a company that has concerts, organized concerts, and I help him. So I know something about sales and marketing. I'll be social marketing. Great. And they look at me and said, and what are you going to do? And we're like, wow. <laughs> Everything's taken. Yeah. So I said, okay, great. I'll be a CEO. <laughs> and they look at me and it's like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, someone has to take decisions. Yeah. And everyone said like, okay, that was it. Yeah. And that's how we became that company, right? Yeah, right. Six months into it, I fired this one. Mm. And then a year into it, a year into this, I asked this one to me. Mm. And it's, you're the CEO, you're the CEO. And, and they came and said, like, I'm a co-founder. I'm a stockholder of a company. And I was like, yeah, but I'm the CEO. You pay me a salary mm. for me to take the right decisions. Yeah. And I need to have in that position someone to, with the money that I have to pay them, mm. they do the best job. Mm. And it's not you. So, thank you very much. Yeah, I think there's this really interesting thing that I've heard you share before and I'd love to share it here. Team playing versus actually scoring the goal. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that. Can you tell us this? So, um, I always say the analogy that imagine we're in a football team, yeah. right? And you are the lead goalie. Uh-huh. And, and, and I'm, I'm a fronter, but I'm not the lead goalie. I have, I, I have not scored much. Yeah. And for me to get my bonus, I need to get one more goal. Yeah. Right? So we're running with the ball. They send you the ball. You're in front of the, the goalie. Like, you have the goal done. Like, you just have to push it in. Yeah. Right? But before the game, you and I would have a beer. And I said, hey, you and I are friends. You know I need one more goal to be able to get my, get bonus. my bonus. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help me, right? Whenever yeah. we're there, just give it to me and I'll push it in. I say, of course, you're my friend. We share yeah. the beer or whatever. <laughs> we're there. And I look at you and like, hey, remember? <laughs> and you look at me and you look to the goalie and it's like, it's like I, so for me to give it to him, the risk of losing the goal is too high. Mm. I agree. I was consented. But yeah. the goalie is on the other side. So if I throw it here, like I'm going to score. Yeah. And it's not necessarily sure that he's going to score. Yep. So what do you do? Mm. You have to throw the ball. Makes sense. Because if you score, mm. we all win as a team. Yep. I am going to be mad with you because mm. you didn't send me the ball. Yeah. But your responsibility is shooting to go. Yeah. Okay? So in this case with them, I said, hey, guys, you have two jobs here. Mm. You're a stockholder and you are an employee. Mm-hmm. Let's not confuse. Yeah. Your role as a, as a stockholder, mm-hmm. it's great. Your role as an employee is not great. Yeah, right. I need you to stay. Step aside. I'm going to bring someone that has expertise and is going. Whenever I pressure them because of the salary I'm paying them, yeah, they're going to be willing to do the work. You are not willing to do the work. Yeah, right. Makes and sense. It's just um, so it, it. You have to. Being a CEO and as the, being a father, are you a father in charge? Do you have kids? On the way. Okay, on the way. On the way. Congrats. Hopefully. Okay. Congrats. Congrats. Okay. Um, so, I, 
being a father is one of the hardest things I've had. And by the way, I'm blown away how for everything else you need a license or you need to study for being a father or a mother. Yeah. There's no license, there's no nothing. License to kill. It, it, yeah. It's, it's the toughest job in the world. Absolutely. And no one gives you a manual how to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, but like whenever you're a father is you don't have to be the best friend of your kids. Mm. You have to be the father of your kids. Mm. Same thing here. It's like, I'm not your friend. I'm the CEO. I have to take a decision. When we're in the bar, we're friends. We're equal. Yeah. That's fine. But when you work here, it's my responsibility to take the decision for the company. Yeah. And you pay me a salary for that. <coughs> and sometimes that decision is going to benefit you. Yeah. And sometimes going to go against you. Yeah. The clearer that you have that, the easier is going to be for you to mm. uh, uh, do business and, and lead a company. Um, I, I coach a lot of family businesses. Mm-hmm. And I get the weirdest calls. Like, hey, Daniel, um, my father inherited me the business. It's a great business. We're doing great. We'll make a lot of money. I'm, I'm a minute's away to kill my father. Like, he still, he gave me the business. He's asked me to run it. Yeah. And then he's there not allowing me to run it. Right? <laughs> and he's killing the business. Please help me tell my father to step aside. Mm. Right? It's a really tough decision. Yeah. It's a really tough conversation. Mm. Um, the other day I got a call. Um, someone did a company, a couple did a company, inherit to their three kids. Yeah. And the three kids inherit to two of their kids each. So there were oh, six, six working oh. in the company. Yeah. Um, and one of them was the CEO and was very aligned with two or three of them and the other were not giving any value. Right. So he calls me and said, hey, I need to fire my three cousins because mm. they're not adding any value. Mm. But if I fire them, my grandmother is going to kill me, mm. right? My grandmother's like 95 yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's going to die if I <laughs> if, if she sees that we fire three their cousins. Like, yeah, she's yeah, going to yeah. die. So yeah. help me tell my grandma that we're going to fire them. Yeah. All right? And, and that's it's part of getting the right data. We'll talk about data and scaling up and all of that. But sure. for me, what scaling up does mm. makes everything float. Right. And there's good things that float and there are things that stink. Right. So whenever you have data and you produce data in your company, mm. you cannot hide from data. Mm. Data data tells you the truth. Mm. Data smacks you. Like, yeah. But whenever you don't have data, if I say, hey, you're not bringing any value, you're like, you're taking it personal against me. And I'm like, no, it's nothing personal. But you're not bringing value. Well, I think I am. Well, I think you're not. And then it's a debate with you. And I, if I have data to mm. prove that what you're doing is not bringing value to the company, mm. then I could say, hey, you said you're going to do 10. You did two. Last month, you said you're going to do 10. You did three. Like, mm. here's the data. Makes sense. So whenever you have data, you can have a more educated conversation and not focus on the person. Focus on the results based on the data. And you remove the human thing. And here's something uh, going back against to parent. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So with my kids, even if they do something really bad, I love them. Mm. Right? That's not going to change. But when you tell a kid, I hate that you always do this. Mm. they feel I'm telling them I hate you. Mm. Okay? So you tell them, hey, in this situation, you did this, and I did not like this reaction, or I did not like what you did here. I love you. Mm. But this moment, this situation, this outcome. Yeah. So you attack the outcome and mm. situation, don't attack the person. Right. If you said, you're always doing this, you don't care about this, then you're attacking the person. Yeah, makes sense. And then you damage the person's feeling and relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You have to attack the situation. With data, is the same. Mm-hmm. If I say, you're not bringing data, you're not bringing value, I'm attacking you. Mm-hmm. If I said, hey, in this data, we're proving that you're not bringing value. So what you're doing here is not giving the right results. I need to step down. Mm-hmm. It's a very different decision. Yeah. So scaling up, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it allows you to make data float or data come up yeah. in the organization and will make everything floats. Right. The good employees, they will become amazing in the organization mm-hmm. because now you have data for them to prove they're good. Yeah. And they love it because now everyone knows they're good. Yeah. And the ones that are not adding any value, they stink and mm-hmm. they, they begin being uncomfortable. And usually they leave without you firing them. Yeah. You can't imagine how many times I've been in my desk or whatever and an employee comes to me with their box three or four days before the end of the quarter and said, Hey, thank you very much. And I was like, You're signing? Other person, yeah. I like <coughs> you know I'm not gonna get to my goals, right? So thank you very much. They give me a hand and they knew. Yeah, right. Because I said, I don't want to come to the end of the quarter and you come and do analysis and you fire me. And I know you're gonna fire me. So thank you very much, they leave. And wow. they, they, they want to have that uncomfortable conversation. Makes sense. So, so for me, scaling up is a great CEO tool. And let me come back again to this. Yep. When I go to a company, I ask them, show me your systems. And I say, well, this is my accounting system and my customer support system and my production system. And that. I say, great. What's your CEO system? Hmm. I say, what do you mean? How do you take decisions? Like, if, if you have a system and a procedure for everything you do mm-hmm. and infrastructure and software and everything, what do you use for yourself to be the CEO? <coughs> Self-metric. Yeah, like, well. We, we've been inventing what we believe is a good CEO system. But there are accounting rules, there are production rules, there are good practices of customer support. Why not for a CEO? Mm-hmm. So for me, scaling up gave me that view of what is to be a CEO. Right. It teach me, it opened my eyes to understanding what is to be a CEO. And that just blew my mind. Um, for me, it changed everything when 
Vernon's case back in MIT in 19, in 2000, when I met him and learned it for the first time. It really taught me what I need to do. <coughs> and he gave me tools for me to do my job correctly. Yep. So that was a great eye-opening. And that's why I've been a fan of the model. And series. you've aligned yourself ever since then. I, I used it. So I used it in <laughs> Finance as well. Then I used it in Patagon. So we, we did this company called Finance as well. Then we merged with an Argentinian company and a Brazilian company mm-hmm. uh, doing the same thing. Uh, we named under Patagon that was the biggest and the one that raised the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, an Argentinian entrepreneur had raised $8 million first. And then he was in the process of raising 53 more. But he needed, needed to have Mexico and Brazil. Yeah, right. So he called us, hey, guys, I have all these investors who want to invest, but I don't have Mexico and Brazil. If you guys come along, we'll get the money. Awesome. So we came along, we went to percent, and we got $53 million. Back in 1999, to have $53 million in Latin America was, like, amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Um, so, and that's what took us to 200 employees and stuff. Mm. Um, and... When the f- the merger happened or the acquisition happened, I was 26. The guy in Argentina was 24. Had no idea what we were doing yeah. in a company. Like, what do you do when they deposit $53 million in your company when you're 24? Mm. And you, you have made a commitment. You're going to do this company that's going to be worth a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you start? Yeah. Right? To the question. <laughs> So, so um, we had to learn really fast. We hired a lot of people. We made a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, but we had to learn. We had no other option. And, and every day was learning really important things. So mm. er, very early in our life, in our stage in business, we had to learn really, really fast. Um, and Vern came when, and gave me that light. Yeah. And let me go back to the, you have to learn very fast. Some years later, then I did a company, a mortgage bank in the U.S. I did a subprime mortgage bank serving undocumented Hispanics. 19, sorry, 2004, had closed 2008. I was a subprime of subprime. Okay. There was no more subprime than me. Yeah. Um, imagine I was, I was giving mortgages to undocumented Hispanics. Okay. It was, it was crazy back then that you could do that. Yeah. Uh, today will be completely impossible. Right. Um, but back then there was a really, really big push for um for housing in the us mm. that is not today and there was a really really big push to incorporate the hispanic community into the what, mainstream community yep. so there were special programs to do that and mm. we took advantage of that um but of course 2008 we had to shut down really fast and it was a very painful close very very painful close and my father wrote me a letter and probably a month or so into it. And on the letter, he said, life gives you very few opportunities to learn fast. Mm. And he's giving you a great opportunity today. And because you're so, you have so much pain because of what happened, you're not learning enough. So I recommend we bring it out and we discuss it. So you're able to learn it because I didn't want to even talk about it. Mm. And, that was a big opportunity in my life to learn. And my father brilliantly came with the right process and discovery thing for me to be able to get out. Mm. And I say it's been one of the most transformational. So life gives you very few moments to learn fast. Mm. We're kind of in a, in a rhythm. rhythm all the time. Yeah. And then there's these things in life that just 
shut your lat rhythm. Mm. And that's a big learning. Yeah. But most of the times you're out of that rhythm mm. is with pain. Yeah. So pain blocks learning mm. and you want to just get deep and you want to feel the pain. Yeah. Um, so you get some of them with pain and some of them with great joy mm. or, or a great opportunity in business like we, we have. Um, so we have to learn a lot and we need to learn fast. And the body was completely open to opportunities and learning. Yeah. And that's when I met Vern and I, that's when I met, uh, Scaling up, or in that moment, was called Rockford Habits. Yep. And it significantly changed the way I see business. Yep. Beautiful. Awesome. And so from there, there's so much to touch on. <laughs> but let's let's dive deep into some of the um, things that you measure in terms of, we talked a little bit about, you know, letting go of people, yep. how vital is people, you know, and what are the other key um, key decisions in a business? So, Penny, and we're going to talk a little bit about stages. Um Companies like human beings grow on stages and we're babies, kids, adolescent adults. Companies are the same. So I call them the startup, they grow up, they scale up, and then you dominate your industry. Okay. And the people that take you, help you build your startup are not necessarily the people that are going to help you go to the grow and not necessarily the people that are going to help you go to the scale up. Mm. So... <laughs> Imagine on the <clears throat> being a baby. Mm-hmm. When you're a baby, one of the best foods you could get yeah. is Gerber, right? And Gerber is a great food. When you're 20, do they feed you Gerber? No. That's not what you need. Yeah. But has Gerber done something wrong? Have they got, in the dates, Gerber got spoiled or whatever? No. no. Still a great food. Mm. It's just not for me, right? So in one stage in my life, my best food and my best pairing was a Gerber. Mm. A 20 makes no sense. Mm. But it was very important for me when I started. I, I probably couldn't be strong as I am and couldn't survive if I didn't eat Gerber when I was young, right? Mm-hmm. So in business life, we have the same. We have stages that we're evolving as a company. Yeah. And there's some food that we need. And the most important food of companies is people. Mm. People is the one that we create and we build companies and we're what companies need to survive. Mm-hmm. So on stage one, you bring some type of type of people yeah. that are amazing for the first stage. Yeah. They're not necessarily the best persons on the third, second, third, or fourth stage. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> but they were so great at the beginning that you were like, oh my God, like I love this guy. Like he's he's the best man of my kids and mm. and or in my wedding and like, yeah, but they don't fit anymore. Mm. Um that's an example. I always tell people, are you still very good friends with your friends from high school? And they say, well, I have a couple of friends from high school, but we still see each other. But there's two of them that we were like brothers in high school. And today, we don't like, know each other. We don't even know each other, yeah. right? They were the perfect person for that stage in your life. Yeah. In your stage of life today, they don't fit. Mm. Same thing happens with employees. Yeah. But for people, when they're used to it and you begin to be successful and the company is successful, they say, well, I'm here for life, right? I'm set for life. And I'm like, not necessarily. Um, some of them can evolve. Mm. Some of them can evolve. And some of them, you could have other positions that they could add value yep. and some they don't. Mm. So you have to understand that there's a stage that are important and there are other stages that are not important or they need to be even be pushed out. And 
for them is really difficult because they, when you were in your worst, I saw you crying at night. You didn't pay me payroll one day. Like you were having a lot of issues and I was there for you mm. and you're not there for me today. And I'm like, I, I've been carrying you for <coughs> years, years. It's just not the right thing. So you have to be very, very clear on what the company needs and try to do it the most human possible, the human unity possible. Or, or, um, and the hardest part <coughs> is letting go of employees. Pardon. No worries. The, the hardest part is letting go of employees. So there, you have to sit down with them, tell them, explain to them everything, and just be sincere and say, hey, I don't think this is right for you anymore. Mm. Let's build that transition. And sometimes a very fast transition mm. and sometimes a longer transition. And I've had transitions, four years transition. So what is the key that delineates the stages between each other? Uh, amount of employees. So the startup is one to five employees. The growth, six to 12, 15 employees. So why? Let me kind of walk you through stages. So startup. The most important thing on startup is really Prove your business model. Mm. And you need two, three, four, five people to define your business model, right? Um, and you have a business plan of what you think is going to happen and what you're going to sell and what price you're going to sell it. But when you start dealing with a client, that's when you realize what they really want to buy and what price. So you have to adjust and redo your business plan then. Yeah. So you hire as least people as you can to prove your business model. That's stage one or, or, or startup. The grow up, and by the way, we'll be happy to give you a PDF so people hearing this can download. To the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second stage, the grow up. That's when you are focused on sales. For me, the, the grow up is like the teenager stage that you have all these ups and downs, and it's a really tough stage. We always say that. That stage is where the entrepreneur ages the most. Because they're going through you're you're between really building a company and the idea. Right? Yeah, right. That middle is horrible. Because the hardest part. Yeah. You're you're too small to be big and you're too big to be small. You're in a very uncomfortable, weird mm. stage in your life that your clothes doesn't fit, you're hiring employees that are too expensive or <laughs> close to the first stage. Like you're in a very weird stage in your life. Yeah, and there you try to grow, but you grow as as much as you can on you being the leader of everyone, and you're the boss of everyone one on one. And then that's the stage finishes when you get your first manager, right? And now the manager begins managing other people, and then you have twelve people reporting to you, and then in a day you just get six because that manager going to take care of six or something. So. After stage two, that's when you hire your first manager. And then you come into the scale phase. And that phase is usually 15 to 200 employees. That's a really long stage. Wow. But that's a scale stage. And that's when you really, really begin growing. Wow. Um, um, but, and I call it the scale-up stage because on stage one and stage two, you're preparing to scale. You're building the fundamentals that your business needs. Foundations, yeah. The foundations to be able to scale. Now on stage three, you scale. Mm -hmm. And stage four is just maintenance and all cash flow and all that. Um, but the stage that you 
have fun that you enjoy scaling it's the third or at least I enjoy right. and that's that's the scale of phase um, let me go back a little bit to the first and second there's a lot of people who said I have a lifestyle business I'm, I'm okay with that I'm completely okay and I I sometimes I wish I could have a lifestyle business and just have a lifestyle. I just can't. I need to scale them. It's, that's part of who I am. Your DNA. Yeah. Um, but reality is if you keep a lifestyle business in the eight, ten people or so, you have drama all your life because you're in a stage that you're too small to be big and too big to be small and you're trapped and you stay there trapped for years. Um, uh, and people say, well, I don't want to grow more because then I'm going to have to have managers and blah, blah. Yeah, see more drama yeah, coming right. in. But really, the <coughs> second stage, I think, is the hardest one because you don't have the cash flow and you have the structure to, to get everyone to do other things. Mm. And then uh, the other issue is that company is not really sellable. You're not really building an asset. Like if you have a company of 10 people and you're doing a million, million and a half, just the paperwork of a lawyer is going to be more expensive on the purchase and the acquisition. Yeah. So you really have, you build your own job, but you don't have an asset that you could sell. I see what you're saying. Right? So, so it's a stage that it's, it's, it's comfortable if you're able to get big margins mm-hmm. and you could get your team to for them to get used to it and run it. But there's very little personal growth. There's, there's very little upside for everyone. So it has a lot of complications staying in that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get stage three. That's when you begin scaling. That's what a lot of fun. That's when the investors are dying to get in. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a lot of changes, a lot of growth. There's a lot of discovery. And then you get to above 200 or so that it's just more a corporation, more a, a structured company. Yeah. Um, um, and that's the stages that I call of, of scale-ups where you really... Um, fundamentally change the structure of the business uh, operating system, let's say. In the first one, you're doing everything. On the second stage, you're leading people, but you lead everyone one-on-one. On the third stage, now you lead through other leaders. On the fourth stage, now you're a corporation. (laughs) So what's the role when you're in the last stage? Right. So the role of the last stage, you become like a satellite around your organization right? and the day-to-day runs without you. Okay. You're the, you're kind of a satellite. And that's what you're trying to achieve. That's what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Everything else is your out-employment. If you really want to be a business owner, yep. that's the fourth stage, right? Everything in business is run the mm. day-to-day by someone that is not you. Sure. And you come with as the strategic innovator, change catalyst, mm. and chief of culture. That's your role on the fourth stage. And yeah. just keep the company evolving and moving, but but not not you being in the center of the mm. of the of the washer. You you're just come on the outside. You travel. You take the relationships with important clients. You make strategic alliances. You bring new products, ideas. Like you have a, a different role that is not a day to day. But let me let me go back to second and third stage because this is one of the, my best learnings in stage second and third. The leadership on stage second and third is very, very different. Mm. So stage second, you lead everyone one-on-one mm-hmm. on second stage. On the third stage, that you lead people through other leaders. So leadership changes dramatically. 
and I tried to explain it in something I I think I heard Vern talk about this, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, he said on second stage you're playing checkers, in third stage you're playing chess. Okay. So on second stage, when you're playing checkers, you look to your board, and all the pieces are the same, black or red, mm. and they're exactly the same. Yeah. You have 100% control of what happens on the board. Mm. And you change the pieces and you have control. When you're on third stage, you, you can't do that. Like You have all these people that are executing in places where you're not there. You don't know what they're doing. Mm. Like You hope you have the right culture and core values and you train them well, but they're, they're, they're executing without you being there. Yeah. And you tell a leader something and then that leader tells it to them, and then they tell it to the next level, so that the, the, the message begins getting destroyed or damaged in the process of it. So the way you do it on third stage is you have to play chess better. So whenever you're playing chess, you look at your chess boards like, wow, all my pieces are different. Mm. They all have strengths and weaknesses. Mm. So where can I place them on the board that they could use their strengths the most? And how can I cover the weaknesses mm. with someone else on the team? Yeah. Your role is to set the board for the other person to kill themselves. Mm. But your role is to put the right pieces in the right position with the right strengths and weaknesses so they will make their job. Mm. But you cannot do it. Like You won't be there killing the king. You could put the queen on the tower and just try to do the strategy. Yeah. And then you look at it it's like, I'm just waiting for him to get in there and get killed, right? Mm. Like that, That's what you're doing. So it's a very, very strategic uh, way of doing leadership. And instead of you telling them what to do, you have to coach them. And yeah. say, hey, I'm here to coach you. I'm here to help you be better. I'm here to help you take your learnings to the next level. Despite you perhaps knowing what's better for them, you need to coach them into the right... Yeah. Yeah. Going back to parenting, when your kids are adolescent adults, mm. you cannot say, you can't do this. You mm. said, hey, I think mm. this is happening, but it's your deal. Like, yeah. Same thing happens here. And is that so that they can then be empowered further on down the future to make these decisions again and again on themselves? And you're also not, I guess, nuking their role and their responsibility for their downline as well? Correct. So, so that's um, there's an amazing book called The Power of Ted. Uh, it's called the Empower Dynamic Ted, and they show it's a brilliant triangle. That I wish I had um, uh, uh, something to share it. But so on the triangle, you get an employee or someone in your company coming and asking you to save them. Say, hey, I have a problem or a person persecuting me, yeah. and I need your help. Mm-hmm. And they come to you and said, "Help me, fix it for me." If you fix it or you tell them how to fix it. Then they go and follow what you tell them. And if it goes well or bad, you're responsible. Mm. I'm not. Yeah. So I am a bad. <coughs> That's called they're a victim because a victim doesn't have the tools they need right. to be able to get out of trouble themselves. Sure. So they need to ask for help. Yeah. Right? Then when they turn the triangle around, you said, hey, I am not here to save you. I'm here to coach you. It's part of your responsibility and part of your growth for you to learn how to do it. 
So you coach them mm. and they got how to fix it. But if you fix it for them or you tell them exactly how to fix it, then they will never learn. Mm. They will always need to come back to you to ask you. Mm. So on second stage, you tell them what to do. On third stage, you said, well, that's part of your role. That's a challenge that you have to figure out mm. for you to do that position well. Like, I hire you there. I trust you in that position. I know you have what it needs. I'm going to coach you for you to go and fix it. Mm. But you'd never tell them the direct answer. Mm. You said, hey, so what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Okay, let's talk options. What options do you have? I have option A, B, C, or D. Let's talk about the goods and the bads. And you walk them through questions for them to realize which one's the best one. Mm. Even if you know B is the best one, just save everything and say, hey, go and do this. They will never learn. So give them the options, allow them to analyze the options, allow them to see the pros and cons, allow them to see everything. And they say, okay, great, based on this, what do you think? Mm. And if they say, well, I think it's C, you don't say, no, you're dumb. Do maybe, <laughs> right? You said, you said, hey, C could be done. Yeah, right. But whatever, just ask them another question or whatever. Try to guide them for them to go to B. And whenever they say, I think I'm going to do B, that's a great idea. You're amazing. Go and do it. And just allow them to go and do it. Yeah, makes sense. And they are so empowered and happy mm-hmm. that their execution of that and their owning of the outcome is really, really high. Yeah. So that's how you have to change your leadership from second to third. Wow, that is a powerful insight. That's a really powerful insight. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so those are the stages. And then from there, what would you like to right. so, listen to? I'm just talking about scaling up. Um, So, and here's what I admire Vern Mm. um, and what Vern, I think is great. Vern is able to give you something very, very complicated and explain it to you in a format and way that it's just clear and simple. Yeah. And I I admire him uh, for that. Powerful. Um, Really powerful. Indeed. Um, When I realized this, Vern does these summits every year, gets mm. a thousand or so CEOs in a room, and he gets all these speakers, right? And the speaker comes and talks for an hour, hour and a half. And you're like, wow, interesting concept. And yeah, but you're trying to kind of get right? yeah. after hour and a half. And then Vern comes on stage. Hey, thank you very much. Just like mm. saying thank you. I said, don't you guys thought it was very powerful to do this and this? And I was like, that's right. Like <laughs> in a minute, he puts the pieces together. So that's yeah. brilliant. So in scaling up, I think he did one, he did many things brilliant, but one thing was really, really good. What are the only four decisions that matter in business when you can your business? There's just four. <coughs> if you manage those four correctly, mm-hmm. you're done. Everything else is fixed. Successful is. Successful is it's down the block. So what are the four decisions? First is people. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right team, it's impossible to scale your company. Like, you could have all the money in the world, you have the best strategy. If you don't have the right team, nothing works. We're all the people business. Makes sense. And I will, I will tell you in each one how it feels mm-hmm. so people know in their company if they're having that problem. Yeah. So, people brings you happiness mm-hmm. and freedom. Mm-hmm. If the team has fun together, they enjoy working with each other, Afterward, we go and have some drinks together. Congrats, you have a great team. 
Yeah. Usually those teams, mm. they support themselves, they help themselves, and they figure out how to get things done. They're healthy. That gives you liberty. Yeah. They're, they're healthy, right? So if you're having fun with your team and you're, uh, and the, and, and like the team gives you freedom, you're able to go to Croatia for a week or three weeks and things are done back home, you have a great team. Mm. That gives you happiness and freedom. Two is strategy. Yeah. Strategy gets reflected on your top line. Right. If your sales are not growing at least at two times the growth of the industry, you're having a strategy problem. Okay. So if you say, hey, my industry grows at 10%, mm-hmm. you have to be growing at least at 20%. Because the average is the average of the goods and the bads. Mm. So if you're not doing at least twice, you're not yeah, going to right? <laughs> So that will tell you how good you're doing. Right. Right? And that's um, um, on strategy. So strategy always gets reflected on revenue, top line. Right. Then you have execution. Execution gets reflected on your profits mm. and your time. The better you execute, the more time you have or the least time you dedicate to your business and the more money that you should have left over, right? Right. If you execute bad and you have to do things two or three times, <coughs> that kills your profit. Yeah. And you're there more time than you time. should. Right? Right. So how much time and money is your business giving you mm. back or allowing you to have in your life? That's telling you how best you're executing. Yeah, right. As an example, I was yesterday working until three AM in the morning. Mm. I have an execution problem. Right. My team in Mexico and Austin needed my decisions to be able to move forward and I didn't want to go to bed because I knew there were several of them that they were stuck mm. and they needed me to get unstuck. Mm. That is a problem. Right. Right? If you ask me today, we're doing great. We're probably going to grow 60-70% this year. Mm. So in growth, we're doing good. Yeah. We have an amazing team. We have fun all that. We have an execution problem right. because of the growth. Right? And then the fourth one is cash. And cash is not a sickness. It's a symptom. Mm. But let me explain this because in business it's really important people mix it and it's a problem. When you go to your doctor and said, doctor, I'm sick. Mm. And the doctor said, why are you sick? Or why do you think you're sick? Well, I have a fever. Great. A fever is a symptom that there's something wrong in your body. Mm. So the doctor begins asking you questions. Are, are you, do you have pain in your stomach? Do you have a running nose? Like mm. ask all these questions, see where are you sick? Yeah. And understand whatever you're sick Yep. To attack the sickness. They don't attack the symptom. Right. It's not like, hey, here's a tempera, go home, right? Mm. No. You have to attack the sickness. Yeah. Not the symptom. Cash is a symptom. Cash is not a sickness. Yeah. Cash is a symptom that you're sick with your team, with your strategy, or your execution. Yeah, right. This makes a lot of sense. So the cash speaks to the other three categories. Yeah. So right. if you have a people problem. That will create a cash flow problem. If you have a strategy problem, that will create a cash flow problem. <laughs> if you have an ex- execution problem, that will create a cash flow problem. It's very powerful. Right? So cash is not a problem. Mm. Cash is a reflect of the problem of the other few problems. How do you identify what it is? And in and around, you look at your cash, and then you, you have to trace ask back. questions. You have to, know. you have to ask questions and, yeah. and really get deep in understanding the, the why of the issue. Beautiful, but. People come to me and say, I don't have money to pay payroll or I, whatever. I cannot raise money from investors. I have a cash problem. And I'm like, no, that's a strange problem. Like, mm. 
if you could not raise money for investors, that's a strategy problem. Yeah. Because the investors are not seeing the value or or you're not expressing the value correctly. That's a strategy that's problem. Yeah. Right. right? Hey, I I do have a lot of revenue, but my bottom line is very, very small. Mm. You have an execution problem. Right? Makes sense. Makes sense. Or my team. I can't hire people to do things. Why not? Because I want to work with a company with no core values or whatever. That creates a casual problem. Amazing, Daniel. There's so much in there. <laughs> so much in there. Yeah. That's why yeah. the book, it's it's really amazing for all that. Uh, yeah. So what I thought, Bern, was brilliant is to give you the four decisions and then give you tools to go through each of the decisions. Yeah. So he gives you tools to first discover how you're doing in each decision mm -hmm. and then be able how to overcome those problems mm -hmm. and improve that in your business. Yeah. As an example for strategy, uh, he gave us a one-page strategic plan. Like You have to be able to write your strategy of your business 30 years into the future, 25 years into the future, all the way to today mm. in one page. And people say, that's impossible. I've implemented the one-page plan Companies with two or three employees, and then companies with 25,000 employees nice. in one page. Yeah, right. And people say, you can't do that. I'm like, I sure can. <laughs> Let me show you how. And once you have everything on one page, yeah, it's so clear for you, but most important, for the rest of your team. Of course. The team really understands what's going on. What's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, usually... Strategy stays in the high levels of the company mm -hmm. and never perfectly defined. Mm -hmm. So the team members, they have no idea what's happening. So they have to come and ask. Yeah. Once you have a strategy that is perfectly defined mm -hmm. and in a page, you could give it to them and say, Hey, if you're doing, if what you're doing, it's helping do this, mm -hmm. do it. If not, don't do it. Yeah. Anytime you have a question, instead of coming to me, come go to and this. read the page. Yeah. And the page should be able to answer you that question. If it's not clear, then come to me mm -hmm. or go to your manager. But it has to be on the page. If you're able to be that clear, the sky's the limit. Yeah. One of the big things that doesn't allow companies to scale is lack of clarity, lack of focus, clarity and lack power. of clarity. Yeah. And this gives you focus and clarity. Mm. That's it. I said, if it's on the page, do it. If it's not on the page, it's not, don't do it. But we said it not on the page, don't do it. Like, if you do anything else above the page mm. and you make great value, great, I'll be happy. But if you do that and you don't do what is on the page, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> what is on the page is law. Do that. That's it. So, as an example, for strategy, gave us that. For people, gave us several tools to attract better employees and retain better employees, mm. uh, mostly based on top grading. I don't know if you know top grading. It's a methodology on how to hire better people. Okay. Really powerful. Uh, Mind Valley uses uh, a lot of top grading. Um, Vision read the book some years ago, uh, and, and they use it a lot. And then um, that, and then tools on how to communicate well with your team and give them structure uh, for them to know where they are and what they're doing. Mm. On 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 execution, gave us three disciplines mm -hmm. and. We believe there's three disciplines that will help you execute. And, and the basic of execution is routines. Routines that you free. Human beings were 
creatures of routines. If the more routines you give us, the more stability you give us. Yeah. We need to have that. Creatures of habit. Creatures yeah. of habit, right? Yeah. So Vern gave us three disciplines or mm. routines that if you get into your business, your team is going to help you more structure and with less drama awesome. to help you operate. Mm-hmm. What are they? First priorities. You have to set priorities every quarter. Mm-hmm. So everyone needs to have what are their priorities and what are the priorities of the company and how their priorities are aligned to the priorities of the company. Mm. Then metrics. If you cannot measure it, you cannot fix it. So <laughs> it teaches you. Managed. That's correct. Yeah. It, it teaches you how to bring data and make things float. Mm. And then it gives you a rhythm of communication, a rhythm of meetings mm. for you to be able to review that rhythm or that uh, communication with your team at every time. It's an example. Yeah. We have a daily meeting every day, 807 Central Time, the mm-hmm. US, Monday to Friday, no matter what. So today the meeting is going to be for me at 8 p.m. Yeah. I'm going to be there mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Because I know in those 10 or 15 minutes that we have on our daily meeting, I'm going to be able to fix 10 things. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be able to get data of what's my team working on. Mm-hmm. So in 10 minutes, I'm going to compile two or three hours of work. Checking with the pulse of the business. That's correct. Checking the pulse of the business. You got it right. Mm. Um, so that's a rhythm of meetings, right? Yesterday, one of the things I had that night, we have a leadership meeting. Mm. I get my leaders, the ones I'm trying to grow, no agenda. We come to a meeting once a week for one hour and mm. said, give me a subject you worry. Let's, let's talk about it. And they come up with subjects. We have a parking lot where we park all the subjects we want to talk. Yeah. And every week we tackle one. Cool. So just with leadership, and it's nothing about results or money or anything. What worries you? And we talk about words. And we're, I'm able to unsub them and give them peace of mind. But in that, in that meeting, most importantly, I'm passing my DNA. Mm. I'm teaching them how I think for them to be able to think like that and understand how I see things. Mm. And it's just with the five or six leaders on my company. Yeah. Um, so you read on meetings. So if you want to execute better and have a, your team execute a, a disciplined format, mm-hmm. get the priorities, yep. metrics, yep. and rhythm meetings. We have dailies, weeklies, monthlies, quarterlies, and annual meetings. Right. And everything we do as a management team is discussed and everything in those meetings. Everything else, we're free to go and execute. Yeah, right. And here's something interesting. If you get called by your boss at random times to meetings, mm. you're always in your office just waiting. <laughs> when are they going to call me? I don't want to go see a client because in case they meet on the management team, I want to be here. <laughs> yeah. But you have to go be a, you have to be outside selling. That's your role. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Everything's too tense today. I need to be in the office just in case. Yeah. Right? I tell them, if you're in Zoom, we do all our calls in Zoom, we're all mm. over the world. So, if you're in Zoom at these times, the rest of the day, do whatever you want. Mm. You have your priorities, you have your metrics, as long as you're complying to them and you're getting your numbers, go and do whatever you want. Mm. Right? Except at the times that we have these meetings, these meetings in the calendar. And I block <coughs> all the time. So they know when they're going to have to be available for this. And that's it. As an example, I don't put flights at the times that I have meetings. Mm. Never, because I know I won't be able to go to me. I try those times not. If you call me and say, hey, Daniel, I want you to have a call on December 3rd. I said, let me check my calendar. 
And they were like, come on, you don't have anything on December 3rd. I have. I have a meeting or I have something already scheduled with my team. Mm. So I'll put your meeting around the meeting with my team. Mm. It's really powerful. It's really wow. refreshing. Wow. So you really prioritize this trip. Yeah. And then the fourth is cash. And cash, um, no one really understands cash cycles. Everything in business has a cash cycle. What's a cash cycle? See, you invest the first dollar mm-hmm. in serving that client until that dollar came back to you with a profit. Right. That's your cash cycle. Okay. The cash cycles, they're way open in some cases. Mm-hmm. They're very, very short in some cases. Are and getting shorter with technology? We're getting shorter with technology. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they're inverted. They're positive cash flows. Okay. As I give you an example, Dell, when they sell you a computer, they charge the money from you 38 days in advance mm. as an average that they spend it. Right, okay. 38 days. Compared to HP, completely different. <coughs> HP <coughs> builds a computer, buys chips, monitors, send it to a factory, arms the computer, send it to a warehouse, from the warehouse goes to the store. You go and buy it, and they call it from the store and say, hey, congrats, we just sold your computer. We'll pay you in 90 days. Mm. So HP cash cycles like six months. Mm. Dell is minus 38 days. Uh. It's huge, the difference. Yeah, right. When, when you're growing fast, growth sucks cash. <laughs> the faster you grow, the more cash you need to inject in your business. Yep. So imagine... Your cash cycle is six months. Mm. How many computers can you build? Or how much cash do I have on the bank? Right. If I come to you and say I want 10,000 computers tomorrow. You don't have a look at your stock. You, you have a look at stock or you don't have money to buy it. Yeah. I don't know. If, do you watch Shark Tank? Yeah. How many people come to Shark Tank and said, I need financing for my purchase orders? What do you mean? Well, I got an order from Walmart. They want 500 pieces of these. I just can't produce them. I don't have the money. Mm. Growth sucks cash. Mm. So you need to have the cash to be able to scale your company. Mm. And that's in a cash cycle. Yeah. So we get deep in understanding your cash cycles mm-hmm. and be able to freeze or unfreeze the cash that is stuck on your cash cycles for you to have that cash to be able to grow your business. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, wow. Amazing. So it's a it's a dense book and very powerful book it is dense what I'm gathering from what I've heard you share though through this like everything is so I want to say not bite sized but palatable like everything is so digestible that's what Brian so is, simple, you know? that's what Brian is amazing for yeah incredible incredible I'm conscious we've only got a couple of minutes before yep. we weave out anything else you wanted to share oh I think there's <laughs> <laughs> so much in there so but but uh, just on, on the perspective yeah be a CEO to start. Mm. If you're going to do a company, don't just do a company. Do a great company. Mm. Uh, like, like, play to win, don't play not to lose, right? Mm. Do it right. And um, have a CEO system. Mm. Have a system that will allow you to be a better CEO, that gives you tools for you to be a better CEO. There's a lot of great tools out there. Yep. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just learn from other CEOs, learn things that work, rent, use those tools, and then use them in your favor of doing better job. When you're 
a bad CEO or you're not doing your job correctly, it affects everyone, yeah. not just their job. It affects their life. Yeah. So it's really, really important that you do it right for your team and dedicate the right time for them. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And for those that want to get in touch with you in any way, um, what's the best way possible? I'm happy to give you my, my email, uh, daniel at growthinstitute.com. Email me anytime. And at Growth Institute, uh, we have tools with scaling up and many other methodologies mm -hmm. to help you scale impact and reduce drama. Um, and here's some, one last thing. Um, I learned from Peter Damandis from Singularity. I'm, this, I'm the ambassador of Singularity in Austin. Yeah. And I love Singularity and everything they've done. They really opened my eyes in, in many other ways. But Peter says, Daniel, they pay me a lot of money to ask me one question. What's going to change in the future? Mm. But he said, no one has paid me any dollar to ask me one question that I think is more important. What is not going to change in the future? <laughs> so build your business based on whatever not going to change in the future. As an example, all our business is based on two things. Help you expand your impact mm. and reduce the drama. Mm. That's it. CEOs or C-level executives all over the world, in any company, in any industry, in any size, today and in 50 years from now, <laughs> they still want to have more impact and reduce the reduce drama. The drama. <laughs> That's it. That's really... That's, That's it. Not so as long as I'm helping you do that, you're going to continue to come and buy from my company. Perfect. So, and today is scaling up I need CXO, I need stop writing and whatever. Tomorrow, I don't know. Let's see what tomorrow brings. But I know I'm always going to be looking for the right tools yep. to help you do those things. Perfect. And that's a company that has 100 years in front of, of us for growth. Mm. So be very, very clear and do your job as a CEO. Yeah, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for your clarity, um, just how much clarity there is there. And uh, just even... You mentioned Vern, but I think, you know, just the way you bring these concepts together is really powerful and just bring them with your own stories is really, really helpful. So I thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And um, thank you not just for today, but all the work you've put into being informed to be able to share <laughs> and have this yummy conversation today. Thanks. So thank you so thank much. Thank you for the Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey Tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.